Casey. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to Macabre Minds, a true crime podcast. Yeah. Back, back, back again. <laughs> Here we are. I'm so excited because we're covering. What are we covering again? <laughs> I can, I don't remember his name. <laughs> um, the, the killer nurse one. Yes. yes. That. Go on. <laughs> This is what uh, The Good Nurse, that movie on Netflix, is based on. Yes. Yep. What did you say? It was so good. Sorry, oh, yeah. I whispered that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I yeah, it was a good movie. I liked it. And, of course, I got this information from the documentary that Netflix also put out about that Um and that was also really good. So check those out for sure. Yeah, I didn't get the chance to watch the documentary. I just saw the movie. But I mean, it had my sweetheart, one of my favorite actors in it. <laughs> Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. yeah. He's what such a I good think? actor. And he's just I know. so cute. I really like, like he's him. He's like such a sweetie. I mean, he's, he's really terrifying. Oh, yeah. I know. Right. He's really scary <laughs> in this. He's in not movie. cute. But, but <laughs> yeah. And most other roles he plays, he's a sweetheart. As a person. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I've only seen him as a villain twice. So what else was he a villain in? Um, okay, well, the other movie is really, really bad, so it's not a recommend for me. But um, it's called <laughs> Jupiter Ascending. And it's like Channing okay. Tatum and Mila Kunis, and he's the villain in it. And he is pretty creepy in it, but it's not a great movie. So but, yeah. <laughs> but that's a lot of big name actors. I know. It was like, I thought it'd I be good. Yeah. I remember when that was coming out. I just didn't know he was the villain in it. Yeah. Me and my dad went to go see it. And we were both like, meh. <laughs> That's such a bummer. Yeah. Well, sad. I, what was I going to say? Well, I know that you weren't a huge fan of the movie. Like, um, The Good Nurse. Oh, you said it was like a little slow moving, right? Yeah, I just like the the movie for me was uh yeah, it was slow and it only covered like a short portion of what his crimes was. It cuz I get it like the movie is focused on like this woman that he worked with that like helped with this case, which we'll get into. So like it really only covered when she came into it, but I wish it showed us more of like the stuff that he did before that point and stuff. So that's what I thought lacked from it. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I did think that it was a little like just visually dark. Like I couldn't, I felt like a lot of the scenes were dark. I don't know if they were trying to say like, Oh, this is night shift, but like hospitals are not that dark. You don't have all the lights off in a hospital. Right. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. So I don't, that kind of annoyed me a little bit. But from a nursing's per- a nursing perspective, and just seeing like you'll hear what he did does or did mm-hmm. is very chilling, and I think that that's why it I was so uh, into it because I I could see that happening, and it would just be so confusing like what's going on here, and I understand like with HIPAA and everything, like the investigation would be just like super difficult. So it would be very hard to catch. Yeah. 
And these cases are like so wild because of how difficult it is to prosecute in the medical, like medical homicide is what they called it. Yeah. Right. And how uh, the hospitals are hard to work with Mm -hmm. because they don't want to get in trouble as well. And so their policies weren't or what they were doing was basically helping him, you know, whatever their policies were, weren't preventing him from being able to do this. Right. And so they could get a lot of crap for it. So yeah, as we'll see what happens to him, if you've seen, um, or if, if you've listened to our episode or seen, um, Dr. Death. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very similar. in what goes down between like the hospitals. Yeah. Um, crazy, but anyway, let's, let's get started. Interested. So, um, like we said, this information comes from a book called the good nurse by Charles Graber. And that book inspired the documentary and film of the same name. Um, so yeah. And it starts with this woman that we talked about earlier who helps out at the hospital and like catching him. Her name is Amy Lauren. And she worked at Somerset as a critical care nurse in Somerville, New Jersey. And another nurse who worked with him, his name is Charlie Cullen, uh, is Donna Hargreaves. And she was also working at Somerset. And the three of them were like, they were called the three musketeers at um, this hospital that they always worked together. They worked really well together and they were like the best of friends, these three. And Donna is not in the movie, The Good Nurse, I don't think, but no. there were three of them. Yeah. Oh. Um, and everyone spoke really highly of Charlie. He, They said he was an excellent nurse. He had a really good attitude. He was a great friend. Um, but there was a patient at one point at Somerset. His name was Florian, and he was a priest, um, and he had to be intubated, and his sister came often and she was always at his bedside while he was on a ventilator um but she was persuaded one night to go home and rest because they told her he was getting better and he was going to be moved from the icu to the ccu so it was looking good for him Mm -hmm. um but that night that she left um he coded and died overnight um which is it was shocking to everybody the next morning Mm -hmm. and poison control center was called to investigate toxicity in the patient regarding uh, digoxin um, Mm -hmm. for heart failure, which is a heart failure treatment, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a medication, yeah. Um, But it is very dangerous if it goes wrong. And the patient, uh, Reverend Florian, he had not had digoxin in two days, but his heart rate was still going up. So they were baffled by that. And... um, The poison control center said that two other patients had died similarly and strangely, and the agent on the phone at poison control center told the hospital, you need to call the police because something criminal is happening over there because that's not normal. Really? Yes. So that's what sparked it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But the administration for the hospital took over this investigation, and poison control center the agent, um, he kept calling the hospital to check in like, hey, did you call the police yet? We would like to know what's going on. We, we want to stay updated on this. 
And the hospital said, we notified our attorneys and we can't share anything. The hospital attorneys are in charge now. And it kind of goes nowhere from there. Wow. Yeah. Um, three months later, after the, that incident, um, Detective Tim Braun uh, is, or actually he was the commander of police. He gets a call about a death at Somerset. Um, and lead detective Danny Baldwin goes with him to the hospital. And the administrators and legal team for the hospital met up with them immediately. And they said, hey, we're looking into these deaths. Like, don't worry about it, you know. And this woman named Mary Lund, who is a risk manager at that hospital, was in charge of the investigation. Which I think mm-hmm. is interesting because she's a risk manager, not a detective. And she's in charge of this whole thing. Like, right? you don't know criminal things. Like, Okay. She's le- right. she's like a legal person. Um, yeah. Hmm. The f- first two cases were of suspicious deaths were um, because of hypoglycemia. They had low glucose levels, which were mm-hmm. suspicious. And then the other two were high didoxin levels. So none of that looks good. Um. Side note, my mom and I were, or my mom, dad, and I watched this documentary together. And my mom was telling me that when I was born, I had to have didoxin. And they like, my mom had to like administer it. And she told me that she remembered she did not ever, ever want, like, even if I had to be babysat or something, she didn't ever want anyone to give me the didoxin except her or my dad, I think, um, because she didn't trust anybody else to do it. And, uh, Thanks wow. for looking out, parents. Well, I mean, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hardcore medication. It's it's just something that you shouldn't be messing around with. I mean, yeah. especially you, a little infant. A little no. baby needing cute baby. Defenseless. Cute, <laughs> big-eyed baby. My alien head. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you were cute. You so. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, no, I can get that though. Like I if if Julie was on anything, if Julie was on a vitamin, I wouldn't even want anyone else giving it to her. No, for real, yeah. But that's a pretty intense med to be giving a baby. So you gotta yeah. make sure the dosing's correct. So I give credit yeah. to your mom. I understand. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> enough about me. Um for now. Just kidding. Um, so day one of this investigation, they asked the hospital uh, for everything that they had on these cases. And the hospital gave them like a sheet of paper, like these very sparse records that really said nothing out of the ordinary and like no foul play is found. So they were pretty sure that this wasn't the case and that the hospital was just not cooperating. I mean, what hospital has just a sheet of paper on anything yeah you ask for your labs you get like 50 pieces of paper mm-hmm. yeah so the only thing they could pull from this was charles cullen's name was on the paper so they did a background check of him and he had had two prior arrests in the 80s for drunk driving and for criminal trespass so nothing medical but so they were like, okay, so this guy's not completely clean. And mm-hmm. here his name pops up again. Um, so Tim reaches out to Palmer police who had arrested him back in the day. And they say that a few months earlier, 
Um, Pennsylvania State Police had called them asking for information on Charles with the name of a Penn State police officer. And Pennsylvania was looking into him stockpiling medication at a hospital there in that state. So now they're like, okay, we have a little more to go on. Something involving a hospital. And other hospitals are calling in and looking into him or other police officers. Um, So Tim and Danny went to look at his family members and friends. And none of them were very surprised that the police were looking for him. And that's always a red flag with the police. Like if your family is not outright shocked. Mm -hmm. Um, Charles's mother had died sometime in the past and he had not taken it very well. He was, they said he was not coping properly. I don't know properly because everyone copes differently, but you know, he's not coping well. Mm -hmm. Um, And he, he was very, very close to his mother and that he said he always felt alone and unprotected without her. But he also said that he wanted to help people and do good. So that's when he started nursing school. Um, and one day at Somerset, Amy's pulse was at 180 and she started to fall over and Charlie helped her. And she admits that she had cardiomyopathy and she hadn't told anybody for fear of losing her job because if she lost her job, she'd have no insurance to help her with the medical bills and everything. Mm-hmm. Um But so she said he always took care of her and um, they were friends. So it was like very shocking to her to find out later what he did. Yeah. Anyway, so Charles had worked at several hospitals and Detective Danny was Baldwin was looking into each one. He had worked at nine hospitals in one nursing home Um. He also found out through some family members he had abused pets in the past. He poisoned one of them, one of the pets. And there were also incidents at Warren Hospital in 1993. And they reported a suspicious death um, of Helen Dean. Helen was at Warren Hospital for a surgery, and she was doing quite well after that, going to rehabilitation. And his or her son, Larry, was visiting his mother there and a male nurse came in and asked him to leave the room. And this nurse pulled a curtain around her and Larry hears his mother yell like, ouch. So he goes back in and the nurse leaves and he's like, what happened? And his mom, Helen said, well, he stuck me with a needle and it like really hurt. And later in the night, they were taking to transport her to this rehabilitation center, and she died five minutes upon arrival at the rehabilitation center, very surprisingly. And that very same day, her son, Larry, reported murder um, that he's like, this male nurse who came in and stuck her with a needle, Charles Cullen, killed her. Um, Wow. He reported that immediately. Um. Because even if you had a hunch, like, she was going to rehab that night, and then that happens, I, I would be suspicious, too. But I I don't know, like, just being in the hospital setting, like, being a nurse, it's like, well, I mean, he could have come in. It is weird that he asked him to leave the room, mm-hmm. but he could have come in and, and just been like, okay, I'm going to give you a quick shot. Like, I don't know, because even patients yeah. are discharged, like, I give shots all the time. 
That's um, true. So it's weird. It's just weird that all of a sudden you'd be like, like it just the guy must have been really awkward about it, or like the fact that he made him leave the room or something. Yeah. And like I mean, just she had you said she had surgery that day. Yes. Like she could have easily like thrown a clot or something. I don't know. Just just thinking outside the box, like a lot of people wouldn't jump to murder. Yeah. Anyway, I so guess not. Really interesting. Yeah. It must have just been like a really bizarre interaction. Like really stuck out to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably. But unfortunately, his report kind of goes nowhere for a long time. Um toxicology tested her, Helen, um, for everything but Dijoxin. And they closed this case with no evidence. So perhaps if they had tested for Dijoxin, they would have found something weird, but they did not. So it kind of goes nowhere for a very long time. That's so frustrating. Yeah. You can't get that back. No. And after that incident, Charles says he wanted to quit being a nurse after Warren Hospital, but he was afraid of not being able to support his children um, and afraid of being called like a deadbeat dad with no money. So he continued to work as a nurse, but he said later that he knew if he was placed in situations where he would feel this need to end suffering, he would. Even though, like, that's what he says is his reason, but even though, like, a lot of these patients were feeling better and we're ready to leave the hospital yeah that is a load of bullshit i think he needs to figure out uh why he's actually doing it because no one believes that no that's not yeah she's going to rehab she's getting better yeah whatever dude he's Mm -hmm. just trying to make himself sound better right like it was a mercy but that's not what it was he like a jealousy because they're getting better and his mom didn't or something Ooh, yeah. That's could be. That's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, he really described it as feeling like he was helping people, ending their pain, but w- whatever, dude. Yeah. And Warren Hospital gives him a good reference so that he can keep working and just sends him on his way. Um, which is the same thing we saw in Dr. Death, just passing hospitals, passing them on with references um i can't believe they'd give him references yeah like i like you don't have to give references no yeah you can i don't understand the that part of it like i i i mean i don't understand any of it because i think it's i don't know how you can live with yourself knowing that like you're sending someone that's potentially doing this away Mm -hmm. do it again but at the same time I get it more than also writing them a reference. Like, what is he going to do? Come back and try to sue you? Like, yeah. He's for not thinking people. Yeah. So I don't I understand feel that. guilty if I were those people. But yeah. I'm not. And maybe they don't. <laughs> I mean, they maybe it's just like one of those things where like they're just like, you know, but maybe it's not him. Like they're convincing themselves like it's not him. Right. right or like that it's all misunderstanding mm-hmm. yeah benefit of the doubt situation yeah kind of so other nurses at somerset thought something was wrong with the lab work looking at all these wrong levels of medication and all all these things 
So they actually went to Charlie for help because they said he knew medications better than anyone. So they were like, oh, look at this weird paperwork of all these wrong levels of, you know, things and medications. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'll look into that. So it's so interesting, crazy. Like people knew something was weird, but they thought it was an error in like the lab and computer systems. And they asked and he's looking at it knowing it's him, but they're asking him for help and for clarification on it. And so that's just so crazy to me. If anyone else had been asked other than him, maybe someone would have seen something. Right. Weird. You just have no idea what people are capable of, I guess. No, you really don't. Um, so he used Dijaxin because it would work very quickly. Um Within a couple of hours, people could die from that, and people would not know to look for it. Um, detectives say that medical homicide is the hardest to prove and, quote, a bitch to work because of the hospitals. Mary Lund, the risk manager, refused to budge or work with the um, detectives at all, saying she she insisted that she was giving them everything she knew um, documents had been destroyed and they started hitting dead ends. But finally, they contact the poison control center asking about Dijoxin and the agent who answered said, are you calling about Somerset Medical Center? And the detectives are surprised because they had not said that on the phone. And, <laughs> mm, and the agent said, yeah, we've been trying to tell Somerset for a while that they have a murderer on their hands. And detectives, ugh, detectives are like, oh, really? Let's meet up right now. And they hang up the phone and go to meet them, like, immediately. Um, wow. And the Poison Control Center had recorded all of their phone calls with the hospital that they showed the police. Um, the agent's name is Bruce, who had the f- forethought to record these conversations um and he spoke with mary lund quite often and the detectives can tell from these phone calls that the hospital was hiding a lot and you know ignoring a lot um dr marcus at the poison control center is recorded on the phone begging mary lund in the hospital to contact police Um, And Dr. Marcus says, you are responsible for more deaths if you let this continue. You have to. You have to report this and seriously look into this. Um, But the hospital didn't want to be sued or have the reputation of having a killer, so they sweep everything under the rug. Don't do anything, despite the Poison Control Center being on to them and urging them to. Why did they even reach out to Poison Control if, like, they don't actually want their help? I know. Seriously. I don't know. I think it was like a, oh, let's cover our bases so that we have proof we did something, but like, we're not going to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, we have proof we did something. Oh, crap. There's actually something wrong. Now what do we do? (laughs) Right. Like, oh, wait, just kidding. We'll handle it. But we're not. It's just crazy because these are regular people dealing with this. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't think that you wouldn't think that people would be so heartless. Yeah. Or that you would really put your job over people's lives, which is really what, what this is, you know? Like, I know they're doing their job, but, like, 
at what cost? At the cost of these people's lives is what it yeah. is. It's okay. So it's interesting because last episode we talked about the phone calls and how the police were able to just convince people to do anything. And now in this situation, the police are like basically begging for information and they're refusing. But I think yeah. it's because they don't see the police as their authority. They see the people giving them the money as the authority. Yes. And yes, so I exactly. think that in the, the same situation works, like you'll do anything because her li- her life is in, in jeopardy as far as like her financial situation mm-hmm. and her job and all that. Yeah. So Danny and Tim want to know just how many hospitals have covered up for Charles Cullen. And they go to Pennsylvania to find out about that case. And there they had said that meds were being stolen by Charles at St. Luke's Hospital in Bethlehem. I think it's pronounced like that. Bethlehem. I don't know. Um, But anyways, another nurse at St. Luke's had reported him in 2002. Her name was Pat Medellin. And... That incident at 2 a.m., Charles was taken out of the hospital and asked to resign uh, because they had more than 50 vials of medications were discarded in, uh, like, a needle box that they found. They said needle box. I'm not sure. Yeah. um, Yep. It's like a sharps container. Okay. Um, That's what I thought. But Yes. So, and obviously that was weird to them, but... Again, he wasn't exactly fired. They asked him to resign. Um, okay, but like, so 50 bottles of something, where is it all going? Like, exactly. Oh, they don't know. They're like, but that's the thing. Like, they knew it was weird and suspicious, but didn't really follow up on it. Yeah. After connecting it to him. Um, however, Pat was like, well, I'm going to look into it since the hospital's not really. And she, uh, had realized that about twice in a week, stable patients were coding and she made a list of each person who coded and gathered the times and the dates and found there were 67 deaths and Charles was on duty for 40 of them. So she was like, even statistically, like, oh, maybe he wasn't on a shift that day. Maybe, like, statistically, they were going to code anyway. She still found that, like, about 40 of those deaths were weird, suspicious to her. So mm-hmm. um, one of those patients was a patient of hers whose name was Sam. Uh, he could not speak or really open his eyes when he first got there. Uh, but occasionally he was slowly starting to regain those abilities and he would tell pat when she came in to help him like i love you and she was very fond of him um and he would sing you are my sunshine to her and so she was they were she was very attached to him and one night he coded and died and it was a night that charles was looking after him and after sam died pat went to a manager and she said I am sure he is killing people. And they said, nope, we're sure he's not. We ruled this out already. And she's like, you've got to be kidding me. So she calls a friend of hers who is a police captain 
and tells him what is happening. And she's like, no one at the hospital is listening to me. I I don't know what to do. And she gives him all of this information and he turns it over to the state police. But evidence is really hard to find. So the investigation is closed and the state police found that he hadn't done anything wrong. Um, and Pat finds out that her reporting this incident could have potentially closed down a huge extension project that the hospital was planning to have within a few months. Um, So she is now convinced, like, oh, they shut this down because of this extension of the hospital that they're doing, and they don't want, they, like, won't get the money to do it if there's anything found, like, odd or suspicious about their hospital. Mm -hmm. Any... um, So then the detectives are like, well, where do we go from here? And they decide to look into Pyxis. Pyxis? Pyxis. Pyxis. Okay. Which is a digital medicine dispenser, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, So it's like, it's basically a big med machine that has a bunch of drawers and doors in it. And then it's got a computer connected to it. So then you log in and you use your fingerprint to log in. So it always knows if you're in there. And then um, you select the patient, select the medication, and then those doors will pop open one at a time. And then you take the medication out, scan it, and then shut the drawer. It's like what you're supposed to do. So that's mm-hmm. tracking every single medication you take out and making sure it's the right medication. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you know that. <laughs> I got the gist of it, but my explanation would not be great. So yeah. <laughs> um, so Charles had gotten a lot of medication through the Pixis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the detectives ask, well, can we look into these records of the machine? And Mary Lund tells them that Pixis could only hold up to 30 days of information. So she's like, we don't have it because the machine can't hold info that long but they think that's weird so they call the manufacturer of pixis and the manufacturer says no all data is retrievable no expiration you can find that on the machine so they immediately go back to mary and they're like you're lying to us and we know you are if you do not give us this information we will confiscate the pixis machine with a warrant and have our the fbi forensic team look at it and she's like oh um let me make some phone calls and she makes some phone calls and sure enough, oh, I found it. They found the information you need. Hmm, look at that. Wow. Oh, okay. So for one, the guts that this woman has to, well, I don't know, almost saying that sounds like a compliment, but it's not. Yeah. Um, the nerve, maybe the nerve. The That's nerve. More negative. Yeah. Yeah. The nerve. She has to like lie to the police, to their face mm-hmm. on something that you can check on. Yeah, that's not something that's like they'll never know. Yeah, they and if she they must think their they were real dumb to not look into it further after she's like, no, no information after thirty yeah, days. Sorry, no. And then what? also another thing I was gonna say was in the sh- in the I'm anyone that's gonna watch the movie, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I mean, obviously you already know the big spoilers, but uh, the nurse, um, what's her name? Amy. Amy, yeah. It says that she's the one that was like, no, there's no way. It It's the computer. It stores all oh, that yeah. information. Because, yeah, she's like, it's a computer. It would store that information. And she says that 
in the sh- and it stuck out to me in the movie mm-hmm. because I was like, I would have believed it. Like I do that every day. Like, yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> if they told me it was deleted after thirty days. I'd be like, okay, okay, <laughs> sure. Like I would believe it. Yeah, so I was like, why would she know that? Just because it's a computer doesn't mean it doesn't automatically delete. Yeah, like I feel like having all that information stored on it would slow it down so like that could be a a way to keep it active and running yeah is what I would think like so I don't know whatever I mean it's not a yeah it's not a not logical lie but yeah it's it's not completely unbelievable but it's just so funny that the nurse (laughs) the nurse and this was like no they have that I don't know that tell us that I did like watching the documentary after watching the movie I did see they added Amy into like more than there was yeah because they were going to her with a lot of the investigation they do do that later but at this point they had not so they did not get that information from her at this point for in the in real life (laughs) (laughs) um So after looking at this paperwork, they're like, we need to get Charles out of this hospital. We need to find any reason we can for him to lose his job because we don't have evidence to put him away, but we know he's going to continue killing people. The police are saying this? Yes, the police are saying this. Okay. Um, So they find a discrepancy in one of his applications for Somerset that uh, I'm not entirely sure what it was. It didn't say in the movie either what it was that he had lied about on the application but wasn't it like the length of how long he worked somewhere i think it might have been something like that or the dates were yeah. wrong of where he worked or something um and the police show that to the hospital and they're like this is your excuse to fire him from somerset so he is fired or asked oh. to leave from somerset um and his coworkers are all super shocked by this. And once he has left the hospital, Danny and Tim interview all of his coworkers, but Mary Lund has to sit on the interviews. So they feel nobody is really speaking, nobody's really giving them any truth because she's in the room and they don't want to say anything in front of their boss. Yeah. Um I have such a big mouth. I would say it <laughs> and not even think like I would not think that that was getting myself in trouble. Really? After. I think so. I have such a big mouth and I'm all about like, if I know something, I'm telling it. Well, good. Good for you. <laughs> good I and mean, you should. Yeah. Yeah, right. But I think I would be the one that would be like, no, listen. This- I'm the no, whistleblower. No. And like risk management's in the corner, like, <laughs> zip it. No, no, wait, no. But let me tell you this part. Like, <laughs> I would awesome. be like that. I just know yeah. myself. I have too big of a mouth. No, I see that for you. That's <laughs> accurate. <laughs> um, so that's when Amy is brought in for her interview. And Amy says that Mary had really coached her before going in of what to say. And she's like, everything's going to be fine. But Amy, this is her friend. And at this point, she doesn't believe it at all. So she's very mm-hmm. protective of Charles. And she's like, this is bullshit this whole thing is bullshit there's no way um but then mary has to leave the interview and danny shows amy the records from pixis 
and she could immediately tell something was wrong with those records and Mm -hmm. she's very shocked but now she's starting to believe oh maybe this is true and she starts rethinking other incidents in her head that had happened um one night she had called a code blue with a patient um that charlie was with and she saw him injecting the patient and she asked uh what are you what are you giving this patient and he said lidocaine which she remembers thinking was odd but trusted his judgment and they do cpr on this patient but um then the resident came in i don't know what that means but um, it's one of the doctors it's like the attending the main doctor they came in and said who gave this patient lidocaine and amy takes responsibility because she was the code leader and she's like i did i gave them lidocaine even though charlie did and she learns that that patient was allergic to lidocaine and had died um oh and amy now sitting in the interview office rethinks that moment and she's like oh my god i watched him murder somebody and didn't even realize it and i had taken responsibility for that for him which is wow that would be really like oh my god i think yeah go spiraling after that yeah well so the way that they described it and i think that this is this is probably how he was doing uh, taking his medications out too because he was secretly taking medications out Mm -hmm. right yeah are you gonna explain that yes oh okay then never mind i think um yes i'll help (laughs) so (laughs) good um so after that danny asks amy like will you help me with this and she agrees and she calls their friend donna um and tells her what's going on and she's like if the detectives ask you for help like we should help them right and they agree that they would help together um so detectives go to Amy's house with all of this medical paperwork that they have, asking her really to, like, interpret them because they don't know what they're looking at. They don't know the medical terms and all of that. And she finds a ton of cancellations in his paperwork, which mm-hmm. means he would go in on the Pixis under a patient's name, ask for digoxin, the drawer will open, he took the medicine, but then canceled it in the system so it looked like he did not take it. Exactly. Uh, Yes, that makes sense. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, yes. So in the middle of them talking about this, Mary Lund calls Amy's house and she's like, hey, hey, Amy, girly, have you uh, spoken with the detectives after this interview? And Amy's like, oh, wow. no, no, I haven't, even though they're like sitting in her house. Yeah. And Mary's like, well, it's not a good idea to talk to them. And your job could be like in jeopardy if you do basically like threatening her. And Amy's like, okay, I won't talk to them and like hangs up and good for her though. Like she has to, the detectives then ask her to pretend like nothing is wrong with Charlie and like, just keep talking to him. Like he's a friend so that he'll like keep talking to you about his job search. And so you can find out like, where is, what hospital is he going to next? So she does. That is such a big ask. Yeah. I mean, they could be a fa- like they would have to be extremely confident that he's doing something because they could be effectively like ending her career and then yeah. her life because oh, yeah. she needs it for her medical treatment. Yeah, it's that's huge. Um, so Amy then 
tells Danny and Tim that there were patterns in medical paperwork to look out for. She was like, this is what would be suspicious to me. So this is what you need to look for. And, you know, helping them with things like that. And then she asked where the charts from Cerner are. And Cerner is all of the records of the patients. And she knew like they need these records to have Mm -hmm. hard evidence. So she takes it upon herself when she goes to work to print out all of those records from the machine secretly, knowing she could be fired and charged by the hospital for doing this. And she gives all those records to Danny and Tim. Okay. Ooh, that's against the law too, though. I know. I was like HIPAA. But like, yeah. Oh, that's bad. (laughs) I know. But like, what do you do though? Because like, okay, yeah, that's against the law, but it's to help catch a murder. I know. You know, like, I mean, it makes sense. It should be more accessible in that regard. Also, they can check on that. Like literally, so when I was doing my, I mean, maybe it's it's a little bit more strict now, but mm-hmm. like if if you look up a family member or even if you're like at, at work, if I were to look up a family member on the computer or if I were to like go and I could see that someone that I know is in the ER, mm-hmm. if I were to click on them at all, it tells them that I was in the chart and then they review, they do these chart reviews and they can see everyone that looked at the chart they're like they'd be like okay why is this random person from this floor looking at the chart and then they realize oh it's because it's a friend or it's a neighbor or it's a, a father brother whatever and then you could get fired for that wow like a lot know. of people have gotten fired for it someone recently i know at work got fired for a hipaa violation like it's just not, it's it's no questions it's no grace nothing you get fired if you have a HIPAA violation because like like even if I were to look up myself if I were to um be at work and I wanted to see like my own profile Mm -hmm. if I were to look that up nope not allowed and okay so what she did was she looked up patients that had died yes have to so when you look up a patient that's died because like I've done it a couple times but for like reasons I had to not because I was just messing around yeah Um, you have to so you type in the person's name and you click on their chart and it pops there's a big thing that pops up on your screen that says this patient is deceased are you sure you want to continue Uh and that's basically saying hey this is gonna give a flag to someone to check Mm -hmm. up on you make sure you're not doing this illegally like are you sure you want to continue basically so that's the wow. thing. It's like it really, it really uh checks in on you and makes sure that you uh aren't violating HIPAA. So she could have easily gotten caught, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm so well knowing that now, I'm surprised she wasn't. Uh I think it's yeah. because she was probably like in the ICU where the p- patients were and she was like their nurse at one point, so it might not have flagged as much. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because her and Charlie worked together with these patients. So, like, she was their nurse. So, yeah, you're right. That would be a a cover for it. Like, like when I was on the floor at one point, I was told, like, um, you know, there's no reason why you should be accessing anyone else's chart. Like, that's even on your floor. But then when Mm -hmm. I was a charge nurse, then it was 
um, a little different just because I have to be able to access everyone's chart. And then at one point I was talking to my coworker and I was like, oh, well, I don't want to ask. I don't want to click on this person's chart because I don't want to get in trouble, even though it was for a medical reason. And like yeah. I needed I needed to get in there, like not for just curiosity as a medical reason. Um, and my my boss said to me, she's like, no, it's OK. You're a relief charge nurse. So it's it's fine. Like you're on a like I'm on a list where I could access more names than oh like where it wouldn't be a question yeah which I didn't realize that okay but interesting yeah I mean you don't do anything with it because they trust you and you don't you're not a crappy person but (laughs) but that's just like how it works in the hospital like I think that certain names are flagged Mm -hmm. yeah anyway so she was probably trusted with that like because because it was on her floor and it's a critical environment. So you have to be able to access everyone's chart quickly in case of a code or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. so it makes sense. Wow. Okay. Well, then, yeah. So she's not caught with it. Thankfully. Yeah. Um, and they say like, if one death could be proved through this paperwork, it would be a break breakthrough, but they need a body. So they ask Reverend Florian Gall's sister, if, they can exhume his body to see if she was murdered or he was murdered. Mm-hmm. And she agrees. And sure enough, they find a lot of digoxin in his body. And now his death can officially be ruled as a homicide. Wow. However, they still need physical evidence like the syringe that did it or the IV bag or something like that. What? Yeah. It's so crazy how much you need to really stick it even though you know you know they did it um that's horrible yeah so really they need a confession and charlie calls amy one day and says hey i found a new job at a new hospital and she lets detectives know and they're like we're running out of time he's gonna kill somebody else at this new hospital so we need a confession and they ask amy to meet up with him and wear a wire um which is scary I would be terrified in that situation. And to try and just act normal, that's really scary. But she does. And mm-hmm. um, she kind of, like, is, you know, prodding him with some questions about his past. And she's like, you know, you left the hospital so abruptly. Like, I just want to know, like, what happened and, like, what's been going on with you. And he tells her that a patient had died at Warren Hospital and that people had thought he had something to do with it. And she said, well, what happened with Father Gall? And he's kind of quiet a little bit. And she's like, I'm not stupid. I know something's wrong. But let me help you. I know you're a good person. It'll be okay. I still love you. Just tell me. Mm-hmm. And he, she said that after that, he like looked at her like a different person. Like he had dead eyes. And she said he just really? looked like completely empty and like, wouldn't say anything um so danny and tim then confront him and arrest him for the murder of reverend gall at a different time not at the same time as this interview but shortly after uh and he goes in the interview room he's like in the fetal position and just keeps saying like i can't i can't i can't like over and over which is a really creepy scene in the movie when he starts doing that yes i had goosebumps Uh, yeah he was really chilling. Oh, that was um, And 
Tim calls Amy to come and he's like, could you please help us? And maybe he'll confess to you. Can you come into the interview room? So Amy goes in there and she tells him, I'm being implicated for this crime, for my part in it. And you can be my hero by letting me off the hook. Like you can save me. Um, And she's like, I'm going to ask you one question. Did you kill Father Gall? And he admits that he injected him with digoxin. And that right there is enough of a confession. And they pull Amy out of the interview room and then they start interviewing him. And he confesses that he was responsible for Father Gall's death through injection and says, (laughs) he says um, he was relieved that uh, Father Gall wasn't going to have to be attached to all those machines anymore. And he said, quote, I felt very compelled, driven to end suffering as I saw it and said that he would feel very overwhelmed and like couldn't watch people hurt or die. Um, So that's... And one thing that did confuse me, at the end of the movie, it said that he never said why or never gave his reasons but he totally did like that was his reasoning so i don't know why they said yeah, that. yeah i know that's Remember I was... that? yeah but i maybe it's because that's a, a line of bullshit <laughs> yeah but i mean that is what he said was the reasoning so yeah that's I... true he gave a reason it just wasn't a real one it just wasn't yeah. a good one i mean yeah, it no. could have been real to him like he really probably believed it And, like, when you watch in the documentary, when you watch these interviews that they don't show in the movie, um, he really does look like he believes it. Like, something's mentally wrong because he does, I think, believe that. But we know it's BS because, like, it's not helpful, you know? know? And also by her tricking him and saying, I'm going down for this, you need to take take the fall, like, it's also kind of like a little misleading and I feel like that's not a good confession because it could I don't know it feels like persuasion yeah and then also yeah also as evidence using those charts as any kind of evidence even though that wasn't legally acquired could it be used (laughs) It is used. So somehow, some way it worked. I don't know <laughs> the legal reasoning, but yeah. Maybe HIPAA laws were different. I mean, this wasn't that long, long yeah. ago, though. I don't know. I don't know. It was 2003. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, I think the HIPAA laws have gotten stricter over time. Maybe. And maybe they couldn't, maybe they couldn't access the same way back then. As they mm-hmm. can now, as far as like seeing who has all the access or. Yeah. And pay, the electronic charting was very new at that point. Right. I yeah. don't know. Maybe like she did print out and give those, but then maybe later they actually got like a real warrant and they're like, okay, yeah, these are ours or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Cause it didn't say that part. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I just like, I, I'm confused on the whole investigation part of it. I know. It, that was like, as I was watching it too, I was like, mm, I was definitely thinking of that for sure. Yeah. But they don't really address it. And <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I Okay. So being a nurse, especially during COVID times, like I saw my fair share of 
just really tragic situations and people suffering and suffering longer than they needed to. And um, it's very common where you see that families are hanging on longer than they need to, or like not longer than they need to, but like just the patient's already gone basically, but they're hanging on there and the family's just not ready to like let them go. Which, but the thing is, as a nurse, you understand that everybody has their opinions and their feelings and, and their beliefs. A lot of, a lot of it's cultural. And so it's like, we don't, that's not our decision to make. I don't know. It's like, it's like just an accepted thing amongst nurses. So it's, it's, I can see why he'd be like, oh, I want to end suffering and say that. I can see why he would say that. Mm-hmm. And then also when you're talking about that guy that was intubated for a long time, the guy, the priest that they're talking about. Right. Like, I can see why he would think that. But then you compare it with all the other people. Like, didn't he care- kill like a young parent? Um, I think so. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, in the in the doc, in the movie he did. I don't know if he actually did, but that was one of the people he killed that was like gonna be recovering. Yeah. It's just like yes, I remember that. Yeah. It's just interesting because it's like I don't know if if uh if I really actually believe the fact that he wants to end their suffering. I think that mm-hmm. like I on I think it might just be a load of bullshit and that it was just convenient for that specific. Yeah. Uh, case. I think that, like, yeah, I don't know. I think he was a good liar. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was jealous of his mom, that his mom died. Never let it go. And, he, yeah. Yeah. He did. I see that, too. Other people should sure. suffer just like him. Or maybe, maybe he has this weird, like, um, infatuation 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 whatever the word is infatuation (laughs) infatuation (laughs) with like seeing someone after they've passed away yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah like just because he saw his mom like that so now like maybe he like keeps on doing that to other people yeah and that's hard to explain because that's weird yeah, that's really. I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't believe the fact that it you was. You believe his motivation? Yeah, I think he was unhinged and did it for just other reasons. Yeah, I see that too. Because I mean, who knows what goes on in people's minds? They could. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he does admit he's responsible for a lot of deaths, and he also said, uh, he contaminated IV bags with insulin. Mm -hmm. um which was another way he would do it and yeah many patients were improving um and they were ready to leave the hospital but he killed them anyway um another thing that happened is this okay i'm totally not gonna say this right vecuronium maybe it's a paralytic that he used a couple times um which means the patient was alert and awake and aware of what is happening but unable to speak blink breathe and they die knowing they're being murdered which is just horrible horrible yeah that is so terrifying i can't imagine that um and when he is asked like how many people do you think 
how many patients did you quote help end their suffering? And he says probably about 40 patients. Um, my gosh, the total that they are able to confirm are linked to him going into trial were 23 murders and he pleads guilty. The victim's families were allowed to speak at his sentencing and he never looked up at a single one of them. He like was looking down the whole time. Coward. Um, and quite a few of them called him out on it. If you like watch those, they're like, you can't even, you don't even have the guts to look at me right now. And Yeah. Uh, he is sentenced to 18 consecutive life sentences. Uh, he took, he took a plea deal to spare him the death penalty by fully cooperating with the investigation, but now he gets to rot for 18 lifetimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the hospitals that suspected he was a murderer did nothing. Somerset never takes any responsibility The CEO of Somerset, after all of this, uh, said they take responsibility for the investigation. And the CEO even said, I'm very proud of Mary Lund for leading it and for her work and said they were the first hospital to look into him. And that led to his arrest. And I was like, whatever. You did not. You did not look into it properly. Wow. But they're like claiming that they're the reason we got him arrested because we were so proactive in this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Just imagine after being that difficult during the investigation, then also getting a pat on your back. Yeah. Like all mm-hmm. she got was praise. That's so ridiculous. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, experts believe. I don't what these experts are i don't know but this is what it said at the end of the documentary it said experts believe he may have killed up to 400 people which if that would was true would make him america's most prolific serial killer but he does not own that title because they don't know if that's true yeah who are these experts (laughs) who are these murder experts and can i be one of them um (laughs) (laughs) like just saying random facts I don't know. I Like, literally, that was, like, a tag at the end of the documentary. Didn't say, like, I would like to know, okay, where does that information come from that makes you believe that? Like, right? how do we know this? Like, what? I don't know, but we don't have that information. <laughs> well, yeah, what um, are you looking into? Yeah. Information that's died at every hospital he's worked at? Because that's not true. Yeah. That's weird. St. Luke's Hospital claims they fully investigated Charles and neither St. Luke's or Pennsylvania State Police found any evidence of patient harm until after his confession. So after he had confessed, they were like, oh, look at this evidence we found that we didn't have before. Hmm. Amazing. How convenient. But one good thing came out of this, which is... Cullen's law was passed, which requires healthcare providers to report to the state any employee's impairment, incompetence, or misconduct that could affect patient safety. And it also requires these reports to be disclosed to future employers. So right. I can't believe that wasn't a thing before 2003, but I can't okay. It either. I and- bet it's just I bet it's just because she's or he um because they couldn't do anything in response to it. They're just like, okay, I guess we'll just let them lie to us. Yeah. 
That's ridiculous. So weird. So I hope people actually follow that and hospitals actually follow that because that is now a real law. So it, it and it's it was criminal what they were doing by covering it up on purpose. That is criminal. And none of the hospitals or legal teams at any of these hospitals face any charges for that, for covering things up and lying to police officers. They never face anything. So, yay. That upsets me. But what are you going to do? You know, you can't. Yeah. Well, I know. And it's also frustrating. Okay, so really quick. One time I had an issue with my car and I was talking to the dealership trying to figure it out and I felt like they were lying to me and like I was being BSed. So I call a different mechanic that's not associated to the dealership and I'm like, hey, you know, is this part in the car? Like, can you explain that to me? So he was able to explain it to me and I wrote it down because they were wrong and and lying to me. Like he looked up the manufacturing number. He looked up everything, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I was able to call them back and say, hey, so I know that you're lying to me, blah, blah, blah. And so I was able to say my facts. But then after that, they came back and they said, like, they're like, oh, no, it's in a hose. It's blah, blah, blah. Like trying to describe something else, like more to me and then what am I supposed to do from there because I don't understand the same way that police officers don't understand the effects of the medication on the body or you know what the like what these lab results mean they can only take you for your word and so at that point I just was like because the dealership was the only place I could fix it I had to there was nothing else I could do yeah I hate once I yeah I just it was just because of my own like I just didn't know Yeah. yeah Me too. I always like call my dad and I'm like, does this sound right? Because I don't know. I don't know car things. Well, yeah, that was the thing. And it was above my dad. It was like I had to call like an actual actual, uh, mechanic and he had to like look it all up. And yeah, so annoying. Yeah, it was a lot. But anyway, um, my point to that was that when you don't know for your what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? You have to trust who you're going to. Right. You think that they would want to catch this killer. Yeah. Guess not. Exactly. You want, you have to believe the police and you have to believe people at the hospitals because you have to trust that they know what they're doing with your safety right. and your life. And yeah, so it's definitely, these kind of cases are so bizarre because it's so opposite of what you think. You go to a hospital for safety and for help not to be murdered. So it's definitely, it's such a warped kind of murder. Yeah. For sure. It is. Yeah. <sighs> well, um, mm-hmm. thanks for listening, everybody. Go check out the book or the documentary or the film. You have lots of mediums about this case. So. Yes, lots of options. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, spine chilling, sad. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. My name's Casey. I'm Emily. And you just heard Macabre Minds. <laughs>